Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Nir Ayal is the best-selling author of Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products, and Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. He joins us today on the Brain Care Podcast to discuss how we can go from distraction to action. So Nir, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. So can you just kick us off? I mean, it's great to have a little bit of context on what you do. So I'm going to give you all of maybe 60 to 90 seconds to explain, you know, that you weren't always a focused person. You were once a, a distracted person. A little bit about your background and what gives you the credibility to talk to us about this topic. Yeah, so I'm what you call a behavioral designer. So I help companies build the kind of products and experiences that bring people back. So my first book was about how to build good habits, where I reveal the secrets that I stole essentially from Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and WhatsApp and Slack. And uh, I kind of codified those techniques into a class that I taught at Stanford at the Graduate School of Business there, and then later at the Hassel Planner Institute of Design, and then uh, published this book, Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products, that has been used by all sorts of companies to build engaging products and services to build good habits in people's lives. And then uh, a few years after that book was published, I realized that there was another side of the coin, which was what happens when products are designed to be so engaging, so habit forming that sometimes they can be a distraction. And so that's what happened in my own life. Uh, I remember one afternoon I was with my daughter and we had this beautiful day planned. And I remember we had this book of activities that daddies and daughters could play together. And one of the activities in this book was to ask each other this question, that if you could have any superpower, what superpower would you want? And I can tell you the question verbatim, but I can't tell you what my daughter said, because in that moment, I'm embarrassed to admit to you, I decided to look at my phone. And I don't even remember what was on my phone, but I remember it wasn't anywhere near as important as this little girl I love very much. And so by the time I looked up from my device, she was gone. She left the room to play with some toy outside because I was sending her a clear message that whatever was on my phone was more important than she was. And that's when I knew I blew it. And so I decided to reassess my relationship with distraction. And it wasn't just about technology and it wasn't just with my daughter. You know, I would find I would uh, sit down at my desk and I would do all the things I had to do except that one big project that, that I'd been putting off. Or I would, you know, wake up and I'd say, okay, today's the day I'm going to eat right and exercise. And I'd put it off yet another day, day after day after day. And so, you know, I think the real challenge of our time is not that we don't know what to do. We all know what to do, right? If you want good relationships, you have to be fully present with people. If you want to uh, excel at your job, you have to do the work. And if you want to, you know, live a healthy life, you have to eat right and exercise. We know this stuff, right? We all know what to do. What we don't know how to do is how do we stop getting distracted? How do we get out of our own way? And so that's why I embarked on this five years of research to figure out, you know, if you if you ask me what superpower I would most want, it's the power to be indistractable. And so that's why I decided to dive into this research. And have you got like a spandex outfit with a big D on the front or? You know, I do I do actually have t-shirts. It's one of the techniques in the book. Uh, I, I dove into the psychology of religion. 
about how when you have a moniker, when people have a, a noun they use to describe themselves, it actually makes them much more likely to stick with their goals. So, you know, a, a devout Muslim doesn't wake up in the morning and say, oh, you know, should I have a Bloody Mary with vodka in the morning? You know, that they don't make that choice because they don't drink alcohol. A devout Muslim doesn't drink. Uh, a vegetarian doesn't say, oh, I'm going to have a bacon sandwich for breakfast. They don't eat meat. It is who they are. So indistractable is meant to sound like indestructible. It's a new moniker. It's something we can use to call ourselves, to give ourselves a new identity. And in fact, we've been here before. You know, I remember uh, in the 1980s, we had ashtrays in our house. Everybody had ashtrays in their house back in the 1980s, right? Like people came to your home and they just lit up a cigarette if they so chose. And why do people stop? Well, was it because some law was passed? No, there's never been a law that says you can't smoke in someone's private residence. What changed was is that people like my mom one day threw away the ashtrays, and when one of her friends came over, she told them, she said, oh, we are non-smokers. You see, there's that moniker again. We are non-smokers. If you would like to smoke, please do so outside. And so she was doing, that's an example of spreading what we call social antibodies, that when societies have these destructive behaviors, we inoculate each other by teaching each other manners and new norms. And that's exactly what we have to do with our digital technology. We have to become indistractable. We have to set these new norms and behaviors because it's destroying us. It is destroying our relationships. It's destroying our health. And it's not just technology. And it's not just technology's fault. Because look, lots of things out there are not your fault, but they are your responsibility, right? If we don't take care of this problem, if we don't do something about the problem of distraction, you think the big tech companies are going to fix it for us? Of course not. The, the politicians, the geniuses in, in, uh, in power are going to fix this for us? No, we have to do something about it and we can do something about it. So what, what is the, I mean, there's so much to unpack there. I just guess before I get into my next question, two things I wanted to say, obviously massively resonate with your your story of, of being a father to a little girl, because I, I just recently found out I'm going to be a father to a little girl. Congratulations. That's so fantastic. Thank you, Nir. So I'm, I'm hoping, obviously, I can take on board the lessons of Indistractable before I have that experience. The second is a really interesting one that I just wanted to pick up on quickly, which is about attention. So there are moments in your life, really, where things catch your attention. And like, although they might be painful at the time, you know, there's, you know, broader understanding of, you know, life is unfolding for you as it's meant to, because there's a sense of reason and purpose in all of these things, whether they're painful or not. And these can be big things. My experience with insomnia is what led to me starting heights. So for six months, whilst I was an insomniac, I didn't, you know, wasn't able to sleep every single night and it was a miserable experience. But here I am three years later doing things that I really care about and love as a response to the pain. That's quite an extreme version, sort of six months for you is this like moment where you become aware and you're attentive to the fact that you haven't been attentive and it's created this insight that's created this sort of next chapter in the life of near IR where you know you have this new focus around how to help people focus and you know I think it's fascinating always talking to people about where their inspiration comes from because it's so often a question of suddenly paying attention to something and then the signs are everywhere and with you there's this weird irony of not paying attention caused you to pay attention and help more people pay attention. So I don't know if anyone's pointed out this, you know, sort of hero's journey side to the story for you, but I thought it's worthwhile picking up on quickly. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of people out there who carry tremendous knowledge, tremendous wisdom inside them because of their life experiences, but they can't get it out there because they can't, quote unquote, find the time to put it out 
to write the book, to uh, put pen to paper, to tell somebody, to codify their thinking. And then they wake up, you know, a few years later and they read some bestseller and they say, oh, I had that idea 10 years ago, <laughs> right? Or I was totally going to start that podcast or I, I really, I had that idea for that exact same business. Well, too freaking late because the hard part is doing the work. Lots of people have great ideas. You know, I do a lot of angel investing and I see great investing, or great ideas all the time. You get zero credit for having good ideas. You get credit for execution for doing it. And you can't do it unless you know how to control your attention. Look, distraction is nothing new. Plato complained about it 2,500 years ago. Uh, but Plato also didn't carry around a smartphone in his pocket. So today it's dialed up that we have more people competing for our attention between our boss and our kids and the news and Twitter and Facebook. You know, if you don't plan your day, somebody's going to plan it for you. And then you'll look back at your life with regret and say, I shoulda, coulda, woulda, but you didn't. What does it actually mean to be distracted? You know, you break this down in your book. Let's talk about what distraction means. And a lot of people think the opposite of distraction is focus. But I love your distinction that that's not actually the opposite. So take us through that concept, please. Yeah, I'm kind of a word nerd. So the first place I started was to really try and understand, wait, what am I talking about here? What does that term even mean? It's what, you know, distraction is one of these words that everyone thinks they know what they mean, what it means. But I certainly didn't really understand what that term meant. You're that guy at dinner parties who's like, well, the term thanks comes from the ancient Roman. Yeah. All right. So let's do that. Right. OK. Yes, I am that, that nerd. So, uh, you know, the good way to, to know if you really know what is uh, what a word means is to know the antonym of that word. So most people, as you said, will say that the opposite of distraction is focus. But it's not focus. If you look at the entomology of the word, the opposite of distraction is not focus. It's traction that both traction and distraction come from the same Latin root, trahare, which means to pull. And they both end in the same six letters, A-C-T-I-O-N, that spells action. So traction, by definition, is any action that pulls you towards what you say you're going to do, things that you do with intent, things that move you closer to your values and help you become the person you want to become. The opposite of traction is, of course, distraction. Distraction is any action that pulls you further away from your goals, further away from what you plan to do, further away from your values and becoming the kind of person you want to become. But this is much more than just semantics. This is really important because I would argue any action can be traction or distraction. Let me give you a great example. So my daily routine when I came into work every day for years was to sit down at my desk uh, look at my to-do list, see that thing that I know I've been procrastinating on that I really don't feel like doing right now. And I'd say, okay, fine, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stop procrastinating. There's that big project I need to get done. Here I go. I'm going to get started right now. Nothing's in my way. No more procrastinating. But first, let me check some email, right? Let me just scroll that Slack channel. Let me just do that other task on my to-do list that I can just tick off real quick and it'll feel so good to just get some momentum. And what I didn't realize was that that's what we call pseudo productivity. It feels like you're making progress. Oh, I got to check email at some point today. I got to scroll that Slack channel. Why don't I just tick off that one thing on my to-do list? It feels like you're being productive, but if it is not what you said you were going to do with your time, 
it is just as much of a distraction as playing a video game or whatever else, right? On the opposite end of the spectrum, I am not one of these chicken little tech critics that tells you, oh my God, you know, Facebook is melting your brain and video games are bad for you. It's addictive, silly, it's ridiculous. The, the science doesn't support it. It's nothing but a moral panic. And if you want to play video games, go for it, enjoy. There's nothing wrong with social media or YouTube of any of these things. As long as you use them, on your schedule and according to your values, not the tech companies. So I don't tell you to do these stupid things like you know digital minimalism or digital detox is ridiculous. They only make you want it more, as opposed to realizing that we can use these tools in a way that they serve us as opposed to us serving them when we use them as acts of traction rather than distraction. And so in summary, because what I'd love to do in the next episode is get into some of the details and tactics and strategies about how to become indistractable. But in summary, you said something that I really, really liked um, in your book, which is uh, you can't call something a distraction unless you know what it's distracting you from. And I think if there's one powerful idea to take away in this episode, it is to really understand the time that you're spending, how you're spending it, and decide that's how you're spending it, even if it's down to labeling it so that you know that you're distracted by labeling it correctly. Is that right? That's a big part of it, yeah. Uh, Dorothy Parker said, the time you plan to waste is not wasted time. So I don't want to be, and I don't think anybody has the right to be this moral, pass moral judgment on, oh, what you do with your time, that's frivolous. You know, you playing a video game or scrolling social media, that's, that's silly. But, you know, me watching a football game, that's okay. What's the difference? There's no difference as long as it's done with intent. Enjoy. I want people to enjoy. I don't want you to be an automaton and do nothing but work all day. What I want you to do is to live your life with intent. Whatever it is you want to do with your time, I'm going to help you accomplish by becoming indistractable. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. Did you know Heights started as a newsletter that I've written every week for years? I'm still doing it, and I'd love it to reach your inbox too. So, for weekly science-backed emails on the best ways to take care of your most important organ all in under three minutes, sign up at yourheights.com forward slash Sundays. See you next week.